Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are, how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports, and if you're a coach or a parent, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. You can ditch the emails and spreadsheets. The free Game Changer Team Manager app streamlines communication, scheduling, and live scoring into one easy-to-use app. Game Changer Team Manager is 100% free for your entire team. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager or search for Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. Today on the show, we have the head coach of Army Men's Lacrosse, Joe Albarisi. Coach Albarisi is a graduate of Alfred College, where he was a two-time All-American and a three-time captain. He started his coaching career at Alfred as a graduate assistant before moving on to be the head coach at SUNY Oneonta. He then became the assistant coach at West Point for two seasons before taking the assistant coaching job at Duke University. He stayed at Duke for nine seasons before returning to West Point to be named the head coach of Army Lacrosse. He's been in Army for more than 14 seasons and in 2008 was named the Patriot League Coach of the Year. Coach and I got a chance to talk about a lot of different things like becoming a better leader, instilling confidence, being pragmatic, mental and emotional toughness, and much, much more. Here's my interview with Coach Albarisi. Coach Albarisi, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get to talk and catch up, but let's get started like I always do. How'd you get started playing lacrosse? Well, it was, um, I have a couple older brothers, guys that uh, played the game in upstate New York. Auburn is my hometown. And um, my brother Jim was playing, my my brother John was playing the game. And actually, uh, the first opportunity um, that I played anything organized was uh, at Richie Moran's Quick Stick Camp in seventh grade. And then uh, eighth grade was the first year we could play uh, organized within my town. And and, uh, so we played modified lacrosse there. And and then that's that's how it all got started. So uh, yeah. I look at the young guys today and, you know, the kindergarten, first graders, second graders, and, you know, the great advantage they have. Uh, I haven't played the sport as long as they did, but yeah. um, came to it. Uh, in those days, it was it was pretty much at the time everybody started, um, you know, and these days are seen as uh, relatively late. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So even before eighth grade, were you playing backyard lacrosse with your older brothers? I assume you were the youngest. No. Is that right? Uh, you know what? I have a. I'm a. a there's a big family, so there's okay. six of us. So, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, five boys. So two older brothers and an older sister. My and there was no girls lacrosse. So my older brothers played, and then um, my younger brothers both uh, uh, ended up playing too. So gotcha. um, we played. You know, we played some. Uh, you know, it was a lot of uh, baseball. Was pretty big in our town. It was you know it was a great youth experience. Yeah. Um, so we were all all baseball players and, and lacrosse. But, uh, you know, there was a couple of sticks always in the barrel and, um, you know, occasionally went out and, and, uh, messed around with those a little bit, but, awesome. uh, yeah, it really kind of started to pick up in that seventh and eighth grade. 
Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so you mentioned baseball, but uh, what other sports did you play while you were growing up? Well, I can't, unfortunately came from a uh, very athletic family. My dad um, was uh, uh, a longtime football coach in the neighboring town, coached there 32 years. And matter of fact, they've uh, subsequently have, have named the uh, have named the field after him. So, um, hmm. you know, with athletics was always a big part of what we did. And, and uh, I started my first sport was um, I played uh, hockey and uh, I was five years old. So I got going in hockey and um, and then uh, that moved into CYO basketball and I wrestled and all of those. And then, of course, football was a staple in our family. All five boys uh, played football from the earliest times that we could, which I think uh, in our time was like 10 years old. So, um, you know, football so really had a pretty uh i think i even did track one year in middle school too so it's kind of uh we were all all doing all doing um something and i'm not sure exactly how my mom did it because we're pretty tightly grouped there's as i said there's six and right and at one point six under the age of 10 so uh now you you know you fast forward uh seven or eight years and and, and uh getting pulled in a lot of different directions yeah. with uh typically one car in the family so i don't know how we got a lot of, lot of uh, you know, a lot of bike rides. You, bike right. ride, you, you rode your bike to practices quite a bit. So, for sure, for uh, sure, yeah. The way it went. Um, so when you when you talk to kids, um, you know, I feel like this is sort of a, um, I feel like you you I feel like I can guess what you're going to say. But when you talk to kids today, do you recommend that they play a lot of different sports, even all the way through their high school years? Yeah, unquestionably, I, I'd think that that's first. The, where where that really comes from, uh, Joe, is you, is you only get one turn at this thing, you know. So, um, you know, living with the regret of oh, I wish I had, um, as opposed to playing a sport and maybe it not going great, you know, you're still going to be a little bit better for the experience. So, right. um, I'm a big proponent of uh, playing as many sports as you can because I think there's 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 a lot of things that work there. One of them is. You know, within each team, oftentimes you have a different role, and um, I think that, that that just makes you a better leader. You know, if if you're uh, a standout on the lacrosse team, um, maybe on the soccer team, you're more of a of a role guy. Um, you know, well, when you do get put in that leadership position, and in, in one of the sports or just in life in general, I think. It, it, it just gives you more empathy for, you know, that superstar as well as the, as that role team player. So I think, right. um, you know, to play, play different sports for what it does um, and helping you develop in, as a human being um, is, is really where it comes from. But then you turn to the athletic side of it and, and uh, the things that you learn, um, you know, in a variety of sports mm-hmm. will, will, tend to help help you with other sports you right. know, and, and, um i just see no downside to it and and uh, as long as you enjoy that sport you should play it for as long as you can right for sure for sure um so let's uh let's jump ahead to your college careers how did you how did you end up at alfred yeah um well it was, it was really down to a couple schools washington college uh, was a was a, a primary choice um there had been a uh, a guy I had looked up to who had who had uh, gone to Washington College um, before me, and, and they were at that time. That was uh, it was them and Hobart were the top teams in Division Three, and mm-hmm. it was a, it was a really a different landscape back then. Um, 
you know, with many, uh, many fewer Division One programs, um, and then even fewer that were really invested in it. And a lot of the Division Three schools played Division One schools regularly, I mean, not just in scrimmages, but just played them right. in, in games. So, you know, Washington College is, is one of those places I really thought that would be a good fit for me. Um, you know, I liked uh, the competitiveness and being in the national championship hunt. Um, and those are before the days of Division II, so there were no Division II. It was just D3 and D1. Right. Um, I liked that idea. Um, they played some D1 schools, and, you know, I, I went down there, and, and, and um, you know, Coach Corcoran was great. It was it was a good visit, but uh, really for me at that time, uh, it was a little far from home. Um, you know, I, I ended up uh, – uh, taking a visit to Alfred University, and it was, it was about two and a half hours away. That, that fit me pretty well. Um, the program at the time wasn't, you know, at the level of what Washington College was, but uh, you know, saw some opportunity maybe to impact earlier in my career there. Hmm. And um, you know, so I, that's how I arrived at that decision. I had what I wanted in terms of major. I wanted to get into education, right. and um, you know, uh, my, my goal was to to be a uh, to be a, a teacher and, and coach football and lacrosse. And, mm. and, and so uh, Alfred was going to afford me the opportunity to do that. And, and um, so that's how I, uh, I ended up at, at uh, AU. Gotcha. And so when you got there, I'm always curious about that first semester um, or that first year, did you feel like it was a fit right away or were there any transition issues? Um, you know, it was interesting. Um, I was there for one year, and and it was a lackluster season. Um, uh, and the coach had moved on, and I was kind of I was back out there looking around for some schools, you know. So I was Nazareth had come into the picture, um, you know, and they were on the upswing with uh, Coach Nelson, and, and you know, starting that kind of to to try and uh, topple Hobart, which we were all trying to do at that time. So I was. I was very close to um, transferring. I I call it the greatest decision I never made. I guess I made the decision by not, but right. uh, by not moving. And, and uh, Al Brown, um, who uh, was a uh, tremendous mentor, ended up being a tremendous mentor for me, um, came in, you know, and chatted with me. Knew that I was contemplating it, and he was going to be the new coach. And um, you know. Uh, had just never promised me anything, but I just felt a real strong connection with him right. in that initial meeting, and I decided to stay. And it was the best thing I ever did because uh, Coach was, um, you know, to this day is has uh, continued to be a great mentor, a great friend. He and his wife Linda, and and uh, um, you know, it was uh, it was really fun to be part of something where you know the program under his direction really took off. Right. Um, that's second awesome. year, we were, second year we we had gone from a, a losing program, and then in his second year, which would have been my junior season, we were sixth in the country, and um, mm. and uh, you know that that was uh, you know directly correlated to um, his abilities as a coach, motivator, recruiter, um, and then I you know I, I ended up uh, staying on and coaching with him, so um, right. became a mentor for me in, in coaching and. and uh, uh, being a smaller world, um, having coached a couple times, it, it really he had a direct effect on, uh, um, you know, what, where 
eventually getting me to West Point as an assistant coach here. So um, you know, that 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 experience and what he's done for me right. you know, leads me and to kind of circle back like best decision I I, I never made. You know, right. yeah. uh, yeah, That's awesome. just to stay put. Uh, he he's, he's been terrific. Right. So I'm uh, um, I'm curious that uh, that turnaround. You said you know you went from a losing season to being sixth in the nation. Um, this may be hard to answer off the top of your head, but what do you attribute that to? How, how did that turnaround happen? What what did what did Coach Brown bring in to the program that allowed it to to change so quickly? Sure. So you know he was an aggressive recruiter and did a great job. I think uh, you know got some good young players. Was was definite. Uh, he was a Long Island guy, a Massapequa guy, yeah. um, and he was able to tap into Nassau. Um, in Suffolk uh, Community Colleges, which um, was was a really big route for a lot of kids back then, for sure. Um, and uh, he was able to get some top top level guys to kind of come in. So definitely uh, from a recruiting standpoint. But what what I I still uh, keep with me today, um, and I, I believe is was the greatest thing he did on the field is he just made lacrosse fun. <laughs> you know, it was right. fun to practice, and I never. Maybe it was just my lack of maturity um, up until that point, you know, where I just never really saw in that or as much, I should say, hmm. as, you know, as much fun as it was uh, under him. And, and, and it wasn't just because we were winning. It was really just the way we practiced, um, hmm. you know, a lot of uneven stuff, uh, fast moving, um, a lot of, um, you know, uh, competitive type of drills that led to success. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just, um, you know, whole, whole nother feeling to how I had practiced before. And that's not a, a knock it on, you know, other coaches or anything that I had before. It was just a, it was a, just a little different energy to how we did it. And right. um, I think that, that, that the players fed off of that, mm-hmm. um, the confidence, that was instilled because of the level that we were practicing at um, maybe, maybe um, helped some players, uh, including myself to, to punch above their weight, so to speak, you know, um, where, where you're playing probably a little better than, than what anybody thought you could do. Right, so, right. Um, so, you know, I, I would, I would, if I could stress anything, um, you know, to, to, if there are any coaches out there listening, the more fun you can make it, you know, and, and a lot of times that's through, competitive situations um right. you know you're doing a lot of young kids uh, a, a great service by making it making it uh, a more fun situation that's for sure um and i am always happy whenever there's a massapequa shout out um in in the podcast <laughs> as a massapequa hey, guy myself no, yeah I, I think you're starting at my you know birth but we're gonna, we're getting a little bit little bit later we got to get into the recruiting of joe uvoli and bird <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's another podcast that's that's for a different discussion <laughs> um but you know so so actually uh I, I am curious about what's what's your advice uh when you talk to you know juniors seniors in high school or even incoming freshmen when you talk about um how they can make the right decision in terms of what school they go to how do you what advice do you give them especially because it seems like you sort of had two sides of the coin, right? You had a school where lacrosse wasn't exactly working out at first and then a school where lacrosse was working out. 
Um, so I'm curious about what, uh, what advice you give, um, kids who are trying to make the decision in terms of what school to go to. Good question. Good question. Um, I, listen, I, I think, I think you can, you can do your homework. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, that's a pretty obvious thing. Um, you can, you can do your homework. You can kind of see what, what is, you know, what you believe is the best fit is. Um, but in the end, you just don't know, you know, you don't know. And it's not, it's they're, they're the only, the only decisions anybody's ever a hundred percent sure of are the ones that they're looking in a rear view mirror at Joe, you know, right. and you can talk back at all. And yeah, of course, that's why I made the decision. There's always doubt. Um, you know, and I think at times, uh, people get paralyzed by that. Like, wow, I'm not a whole hundred percent sure. Um, and I think at some point, you know, in the process, you just got to bet on yourself. Um, in, in, you know, you've done your research, you've done your homework, and you bet on yourself and you say, Hey, I'm going to make this a great situation. And, and I right. think there was a lot of that. Uh, it really wasn't until my sophomore year where I, I probably bought in fully and, 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 you know, regardless of where you are or what, you know, who you're doing it with, if, if you're all in, um, it's going to be a good situation. So my advice is, is, you know, of course, do your homework. Um, don't be paralyzed by, uh, by the fear of the unknown. I mean, there's just, mm-hmm. there's an unknown to what you're doing. And, and then once you commit, you know, truly commit and, and, uh, make the most of it, grab everything you can from that situation. And, and, uh, and I think if you, if you do that, it ends up being a good situation. You end up reflecting on it and go, man, I'm glad I did that. Right. Um, Makes if sense. you're going through four years, second guessing yourself and the grass is greener over here, there and everywhere, uh, you know, you're, you're not maximizing the situation that, uh, you know, you're fortunate, fortunate enough to be a part of. Right. For sure. For sure. So, uh, so what made you want to start coaching? Well, your first coaching job was at Alfred, correct? That's right. I was a graduate assistant there. So, um, it, it was, it was part of the plan from the beginning. I think you just become, uh, you know, with, with what you know best, uh, you're, you know, whatever you're familiar with. You probably um, give that the fir- first look, you know, so you see a lot of parents who do certain, you know, moms and dads are lawyers and, right. you know, sometimes the likelihood that if they enjoy it, um, you, uh, you might become a lawyer, you know. Right. So my parents were both teachers, both educators. Um, my dad, as I said, was a long time football coach, coach basketball um, when I was really young. And, um, you know, I just saw the impact he was able to make at the high school level. And I knew that that's, that's what I wanted to do too. And, um, you know, impactful, purposeful. Right. And um, so that led me to this opportunity, you know, at Alfred University, Coach Brown offered me the chance to, to um, be a graduate assistant. So I, I looked at that with the idea of, Hey, I've got a chance to move towards my master's degree, which eventually you'll need to teach. And, and then I also, I'm coaching at the collegiate level, which is right. something that as I was in college, I became more uh, intrigued with. So mm-hmm. I was moving towards two different things through those two years as I was getting, I was getting my education paid for. Right. Um, and, and I was moving towards, you know, the potential of, of being, uh, uh, actually by that time I decided I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, hmm. um, and, uh, move towards that and, and, and then as well as the college game too. Right. So. 
So can you talk about those, those first two years while you're coaching? Um, can you talk about what were some of the biggest surprises or what were some of the biggest lessons you took away from that first year, especially since you're, you're, uh, you're coaching now alongside, um, you know, someone that you would consider a mentor? Sure. It, it, it was, it was a great two years. So, uh, fortunate, uh, for me, um, was the fact that my senior year, there was a huge turnover in players graduation. I think there was almost 20 low twenties, maybe even 25 new players on the team from when I grad from when I graduated to the next year. So mm-hmm. I had this opportunity to, to, um, you know, work with new players and a lot of people not just seeing you as, you know, a senior, right. uh, as a senior, somebody who's, who's playing. And then the other real positive piece was, is coach Brown was clearly the guy in charge of everything. I mean, you know, it was his program. Um, but when you're, when you're, um, at least at that time, um, there were no full-time assistant coaches. The assistant coaches were the graduate assistants. So right. uh, there was two graduate assistants. So just to run a program, you, you, you get more responsibility. Um, and, uh, so, I was fortunate to um, you know, to have that that little bit more responsibility than maybe I would in, as a, a GA on a on a staff of four mm-hmm. um, myself and another GA. So it was uh, you know that part you know, when I just t- took took away uh, you know from from coach was just uh, you know coach was um, a, a tremendous uh, pragmatist. You know I mean, he. he he saw what we had and he was able to adjust, uh, you know, how we did it, um, you know, to fit our talents, um, to, um, you know, help us be a little different than other programs. Right. And, um, and, you know, so I was, I got a bird's eye view of that. I, I watched him handle a lot of situations that, um, are not always black and white, you know, uh, when you're dealing with college kids, uh, right. there's a lot of gray in there and, uh, he wasn't quick to judge on any of it and, and would handle the situation appropriately, you know, after, after he had all the facts and a chance to think about things. So, um, you know, there was just a lot of great coaching lessons, um, you know, the way he built camaraderie, um, within his staff was, you know, it was awesome too. I mean, just, you know, we were clearly felt part of the family as players, but, you know, even maybe more so as part of his staff too. So, right. um, there's just a lot of things that, uh, probably more things than I even know that I, I use now as a, as a head coach. Right. Um, but, uh, great man, great mentor, tremendous coaching mind still, you know, there's a lot of drills that we do that, um, they, they, the, the genesis for all those were, were my days, uh, you know, 20, I guess that's 28 years ago now, 29 years ago. So, right. um, hmm. that right. So, uh, yeah, tr- yeah. tremendous, uh, tremendous opportunity I had and, and, uh, really, um, fortunate to have hung in there and, and, and believed in coach, uh, instead of transferring. Right. So can, can you talk about, um, just real quick, and you mentioned that one of the things he did so well was he, he built a sense of camaraderie, uh, amongst the team. You, you know, you mentioned, you definitely felt it as a player, but it was even more so on the coaching staff. Can you talk about what specifically he did, if you remember, uh, to help build yeah. that camaraderie yeah. amongst the coaching staff? I just think it's a respect that he treated everybody with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's how I kind of remember it, uh, right being that there was, you know, everybody was important to what we were, what we were doing. And, um, you know, I don't know 
I don't remember it being a whole ton of like one-on-ones and, you know, those, those sort of things, but, um, everybody felt a sense of it, you know, a sense that, uh, they belonged and, and their contributions were important and, and, uh, you know, it was, um, there wasn't anybody that, you know, just if you were the starter and the leading goal scorer, you know, certainly, uh, you got your attention, um, but right. so did so did the guys who were on the end of the bench, and and uh, he you know he worked hard to develop those guys also. So gotcha. uh, everybody was important, and and he just had a great way um, to make you feel comfortable mm-hmm. uh, off the field and, and approachable, and the guy you just go to his office and kind of hang around a little bit. You just wanted to be around him, or at least clearly I did um, right. throughout my playing career. So. Um, uh, you know, and uh, just uh, kind of built you up um, with 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 not only words, but just uh, you know his actions and in, in, in the respect that he treated everybody with. Gotcha, makes sense. Um, so we're gonna jump ahead a little bit. You know, I, I know uh, I know you were head coach at SUNY Oneonta for for one year. Is is that correct, or was it two yeah. years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was one year. Yeah, one, one year. year. Was, uh, 24 years old, Joe, and uh, I got this opportunity to go to Oneon as a head coach right from there. And, uh, you know, it was a program that had really struggled. They were three and 40, I think, over the previous three years. So, right. um, and there was some good Long Island guys. I mean, it was it attracted a lot of Long Island players, and uh, there were some good players there um, that just, you know, we're, we're looking for a little direction. So uh, we were able to have a, have a nice, successful year um, as a, uh, in in that one year, we went right. from it was the previous three years they had three wins and we had eight in a year, and then uh, and then I got the opportunity at Army and Jimmy Nagel came in to uh, at Oneana and he did a terrific job with them. I know they went to a couple tournaments after right. uh, five six seven years there. Right. He, did, he did amazing job, so um, we got that program going. Yeah, so so I'm curious, can you can you talk about how that the opportunity at Army became available. Yeah. So, uh, I go back to coach Brown. Um, you know, coach, coach, uh, used to work the army lacrosse camp and coach Emmer, uh, and he were, were friends. And I, I remember coach telling me when I was still working for him, he said, you know, I, I talked to coach Emmer and told him that if, uh, if, uh, you know, he ever had an opportunity or, or there was ever, there was ever a opening on his staff that, he had a good, good young coach that he, he should take a look at. So, um, uh, that's the way, it, that's the way it all, uh, unfolded. Um, right. coach Mead, Richie Mead, uh, was, had been a long time assistant at Navy and then he coached at army for three or four years as an assistant and the head coaching job at Navy opened up mm-hmm. and, uh, he took that and I was actually working the army camp and I remember being approached, um, you know, by one of the other counselors and he's like, you know, Hey, would you be interested in, uh, you know, looking at army? And I was like, you know, I kind of looked at him cross-eyed, like, what are you kidding me? Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, and, and he, he had good reason. I mean, I was a head coach and, and mm-hmm. you know, as I said, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a solid job at Honiata, you know, in the right direction. So it felt, um, you know, in that one year and, uh, but anyway, I mean that that seemed to be like a no-brainer for me. Right. Um, and I, I'm work on Coach Emmer's staff, um, right. you know, at, at West Point. Um, so uh, I uh, I interviewed and 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 then 
Russia again was um, you know good fortune fell upon me and, and coach select coach Emmer selected me mm-hmm. and, um, and I spent two years on his staff. Yeah, yeah. So so how helpful was it to work alongside um, you know somebody like Coach Emmer so early on in your career? What you were twenty five at this point. Is that right? Yeah, I think 25 and 26, 25, 26. Yeah. Maybe, maybe left year is 27 year old. I'm not sure hmm. exactly what it was, but it was young. Um, listen, you know, there's been no greater professional ever in our sport than Jack Emmer. I mean, right. just an absolute pro. And I just laugh at myself. I called it, I used his first name. I mean, it's Coach Emmer. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> it's still his coach to me. Uh, right. I laugh at myself using his first name. I just have that much respect for him. Yeah. Um, the, the best pro of all time. And he was, you know, uh, there, I really learned, um, you know, what, how you should run a program, you know, how you should run a program. And, and he was just professional, uh, all the way through and, you know, when your meeting times were, how things were structured, tremendous, tremendous organization, mm-hmm. um, you know, fiery, fiery competitor, uh, just, um, you know, and, and, and an absolute uh, amazing mentor and, and somebody that, um, you know, uh, I've remained very, very close to. In fact, coaches, uh, coach and his wife, Joni, are godparents to, to my daughter, Isabella. So oh, wow. um, we've got this continued relationship and, and uh, just truly blessed to have had um, the opportunity to, to work for him for those two years because, yeah. uh, an indelible mark, um, uh, you know, he made on me. And, and then of course, and when he retired, I, I, I was, I was, uh, uh, I followed him, you know, in his, in his shoes here. So, uh, right. For sure. Just have had a great relationship, you know, great yeah. relationship through. He's uh, had a tremendous, tremendous impact on me professionally and a tremendous impact on, uh, you know, on me personally. Right. I've, I've met and talked to him a few times. He is um, one of the greatest, that's for sure. Um, but I, I, I want to talk about, before we get, you know, your, before we get into your return to Army, um, how did the opportunity at Duke come about after Army? Yeah, so we, we had spent two years here. Um, two years, second year, we went to the tournament. They've been good, successful years. And, and uh, Coach Pressler had actually played for Coach Emmer. Um, at Washington and Lee. Um, so coach spent 13 years back when uh, W&L was uh, a division one program and coach Pressler had played there and played football um, also at W&L. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's that relationship. Um, you know, another, I kind of laugh at all these things, but J.B. Clark, who, um, you know, has, has done amazing things at Limestone and, and, and for, and as a coach and, Amazing things as our uh, IMLCA uh, head coaches association. Um, um, he uh, coach uh, coach Clark was moving on, and, and Coach Pressler had a had an opening. So um, hmm. it was one of those things where uh, it looked like maybe Coach Clark was leaving after my first year here at Army. So I had already talked to Coach Emmer, or excuse me, Coach Pressler about right. the potential of going down there, or he had talked to me about it, and. So, um, you know, it just became this, this chance to, I was, I was the second assistant here at army mm-hmm. chance to go be the first assistant down at Duke university and, right. and uh, 
in the ACC was uh, was a challenge that I was, uh, you know, quick to jump on when offered. In the interest of time, uh, we're just going to jump ahead to the start of your time at Army. Um, although I, I have t- tons of questions I want to ask. But... Virginia guy talking, you're just going to leave Duke right out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's up to you. If I'm going to talk about Duke, I can keep you here to four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> it's uh it's your I choice you. i got you. Uh, let me just say this about that uh i love coach Pressler and i love the nine years that we got to spend there and the successes right. uh are things that i uh hold still uh, very close to my heart and, and right. coach is a guy that uh taught me so much you know and and so much of of uh, what he taught me is 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 uh infused in the army program today so we can leave it at that i right. leave it at right. that but I don't want to buy those nine years to what I do now. Right. Uh, well, so one thing I, I, I do want to say, I guess, you know, personally from, from my, uh, from my point of view is I remember being recruited by you and coach Bressler. Um, and there were, so I went on five recruiting visits. Duke was one of the two that I called my parents afterwards and said, Hey, I think I want to come here. Um, so I got maybe closer than I think maybe you even realized actually committing to Duke and it's because of both of you two. Um, so yeah. I, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely speak to you, coach, coach Pressler and you. I mean, I, I really enjoyed my time talking to you. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about my time at Duke and playing against Duke as well. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. So I, I do want to, I do want to jump into uh, you know, sure. the start. So you spent nine years at Duke and then the head coaching position opens up in Army. Can you walk us through that opportunity and, and, and how you ended up back there? Yeah. So Coach uh, Coach Emmer retired mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, having been a head coach for 36 years, he was, uh, he, um, you know, uh, stepped down and retired. And so, you know, the position opened up. I mean, I had such admiration for the school um you know and and just knowing you know the the quality of young men and women it produces um you know it it felt like something that i would be i wanted to be a part of you know and i I, at the time i felt like i had the greatest assistant coaching job in the country i loved who i was working for Um, we were having success um you know it was a great part of the world my wife was uh i got through those nine years and mm-hmm. Petra, North Carolina native, everything was great about it. But, you know, my goal was to be a head coach, um, but I didn't want to do it just anywhere. I wanted to do it at a place that, you know, um, uh, had, a, had a couple things on a professional level, certainly had to fit right for, for us personally, but you know, on a professional level, I wanted to be part of a, uh, a program um, where the administration you know, wanted to be as successful as, as I did. Um, right. you know, I think there's times you can, you know, you're going to, you're going to have trouble if you go into a situation and you're working your tail off and you're just not getting what you need, uh, right. to be successful. So, so, uh, uh, West Point clearly, uh, checked the box on that. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're still until this day recruiting twice, at least twice the amount that you're actually coaching. So mm-hmm. you, you need to feel good about what you're representing you know and and uh when you're out on the recruiting trail and you're you're in people's houses and you're talking about the opportunities you got to feel really good about what what those opportunities are and and, and you know the the, the, the 
the things and how that can change somebody's life. And, right. um, you know, clearly, uh, West Point is one of those places. And in, in my biased opinion, th- there is no better place when it comes to that. You know, there is no place that, uh, can, uh, more positively affect your life, um, in the way that it challenges people and the way that it supports people than West Point. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, check the boxes there and, and then, the Mr. Anderson, Kevin Anderson, um, um, hired me and, and, uh, it was, um, you know, it was like, uh, it was a dream come true, you know, to be a, right. to be a head coach and to be a head coach at such a, a prestigious, um, you know, institution was just something that, uh, you know, probably when I started in eighth grade, I wouldn't even, you know, I don't think that that was on the radar for me. Right. Right. So, so can you, this may be an easier question for you to answer because it's a, I mean, it's an institution that's just steeped in values and principles, but can you, can you talk about what the values and principles are of army lacrosse? Sure. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, what, what our culture is based on and, and we, we talk about it here and I think it's right in line with, with the institution, you know, um, the institution is, is, is mantra is duty, honor country, you know, and what West Point is here to do um, beyond just educate you, it's, it's to develop leaders of character. And I just feel like our, our lacrosse program has a integral part in, in helping develop leadership, uh, leaders, uh, you know, for not only for the army, but for, for our country down the road. And, um, you know, the way we, the values that we put in there, we value the family, you know, and that's in the bigger sense of that is, is, you know, putting others before yourself. And, you know, that's what a good family person does is they put others, others before them. And, and, uh, you know, so that's, that's a part of our, our, um, you know, our mission, part of our culture at West Point and Army Lacrosse. And then, you know, we put a great, great emphasis on toughness. And I think it shows through in how we play, but I don't want that to be misconstrued, Joe, is, Mm -hmm. you know, toughness, like how hard we swing our stick or hit somebody that that's, that's the, 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 the least amount of value to me, you know, the toughness that we try to emphasize is the mental and emotional toughness, you know, the ability to, the ability to uh, continue to strive and overcome and persevere and the grit. Um, and, and those are things that just are, are life qualities, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that will, will clearly be called upon when they're, when they're uh, officers leading people, in the army. you know, uh, not many people I know uh, <laughs> live lives where they don't have to dig down on that. And, and right. uh, we're, we're providing an opera, uh, we're providing, you know, that, that, that apparatus, so to speak, you know, the lacrosse program to, mm-hmm. to uh, consistently, you know, um, work on our mental toughness and our, right. and our emotional toughness. And, and, um, you know, so that, that's a, that's a big uh, piece. And then, you know, the, the third, third, uh, part of our culture that we emphasize is tradition and, um, and that what that plays into Joe is just being part of something bigger than yourself. And, uh, that, that is clearly, um, what you are when you're, when you're in the army, um, you know, the U S army and you're serving and representing the, you know, United States of America. Um, that's that there's nothing bigger than that, but for sure. Yeah. Right. A little bit smaller and, and you, and you dial down to our, 
uh, our academy, you know, um, uh, United States Military Academy has been around since 1802. And, you know, the tradition uh, that surrounds uh, West Point is, is, uh, is great as any. Right. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> not going to get better tradition than uh, yeah, it's not gonna get an Army. Right. I know the long way line and, and the people who have gone to school here and how they've shaped uh, not only this country's, um, you know, not only this country, but a lot of world history. Um, and then you know, the tradition of uh, Army lacrosse. So uh, we've been playing for 102 years and we, we at, a, at a very, very high level and, and eight national championships and mm-hmm. 300 plus All-Americans, all of that is right. great. Uh, but the men who have played, um, who have played in, in the Army lacrosse uh, family are, are the, are the real story. So, you know, right. to try and honor that tradition, um, you know, by how we approach the game, um, mm-hmm. try to honor that tradition by adding, uh, to the rich history is, is, right. is something that is, is at the, at the top of our, uh, uh to do list, so to speak, right. um, you know, uh, for our players. So, you know, family toughness and tradition are the things that we, we try to hang our hat on at, at uh, you know, the Army West Point lacrosse, right. in, in the Army West Point lacrosse program. So one thing that you touched on that I want to ask you a little bit more about is, you know, you said the, the value of toughness and specifically mental and emotional toughness. Can you talk about how you go about developing that? Because that's one thing that, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on. It's, it's very important for, you know, just human beings in general to develop that. Um, and I wonder if yeah. you can talk about how you go about trying to um, instill that in your players. Yeah, well, um, I, it, it is a group thing. And, and I, I'll start by saying this, Joe, nobody's tough all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nobody's tough. All the time. I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, nobody is tough all the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need others to, to be tough for us, you know, and, and to, to kind of bring us around. So this is a collective type of thing, if that makes sense to you, you know, where yeah. you know, there's some days you just don't want to get done, you know, you don't want to do it. Um, but uh, really it's, 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 it's our approach. It's probably uh, refined in, in practices um, that we just don't make excuses for ourselves. And we understand that there's, uh, in most cases, a lot more on our guys' plate and, and the things that they've got to do during the day are right. different than other college students. But uh, we, we, we look to try and embrace that as opposed to uh, use that as a crutch or an alibi, you know, for why uh, we can't do something. Um, so it's, 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 it's not anything big. Uh, it's not some team seminar that we're talking about mental toughness. It's, mm-hmm. it's the day in day out um and refusal to accept excuses um uh you know is, is really probably what i or i guess that's what i would point to more than you know any one big event in terms of trying to develop that that, that mindset and you know fortunately now um and, and, and listen i'm sure it's been part of this program forever but um you, you've got a lot of um older guys that are, um, that are helping, you know, they're, they're coaching, they're, they're coaching the guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not a case that, um, you know, you're out there all by yourself 
preaching it, you, you've got three classes of, of, of young men who are showing the way, leading the way for the, uh, for the, uh, the, the plebe class. Um, right. So it just kind of helps to, you know, you got some force multipliers guys for that sure. are just, uh, you know, making it happen. And, and, and not only are they doing it, but they're sh- uh, setting such a great example for everybody else. And, you know, now you got a young guy who maybe um, in his high school career isn't uh, as accustomed to it, or at least not at the level that, uh, that we're doing it here at West Point. And, and, you know, but they're looking to the left and the right and, and they're saying, you know what, I guess this is how we do things. So right. I better get with it. Um, and, and, uh, but again, it's a lot of, so it's it's the day in and the day out of of um, of you know just making you know uh, just just not leaning on any um, any you know, type of alibis or excuses. And right. I, I got to be careful a little bit, Joe, because I don't want it to you know to talk about this being the the harsh harsh reality of West Point because it just isn't that way. But right. um, we do have a we do have a particular way of going about our business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think of a, a great expression I heard, um, actually from a Navy SEAL. Um, sorry, different, different side of the military, but, uh, okay. uh, Navy SEAL, uh, he said, all your excuses are lies. Um, which, uh, <laughs> which I thought was just a great way to put that, right? Well, Any reason for yeah. not doing the things that you need to do, um, they're not valid. <laughs> you got to get something done. You no. got to get something done. Like we exactly, and we we kind of frame it, and you know what our next opponent, you know uh, that that they don't feel sorry for you. So how can you feel sorry for you? You know, like, hey, I got it that you just had to do this, or you know, you're taking this test or or whatever. But you know, Rutgers, they don't feel bad for you. So right. how can you feel bad for yourself? You know, right. you're setting yourself up for mm-hmm. for for a, 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 a situation where you will not be successful. Right. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, well, coach, listen, I, uh, I promised you I would get you out of here on time. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead to the end question. Um, we may have to have you back on the show cause there's just so many things I want to talk to you about, but I'd be um, happy to do that. I'll, I can, I'll definitely do a part two and awesome. I can, I have a situation where, or, and hopefully in that situation, Joe, I'm not, uh, it's hard to hit <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, and believe me, listen, like I said, we try to work around your schedule, so I totally understand. But, uh, so there's one question I've asked everybody who comes on the show. What are three things everyone should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to just be about lacrosse. Hmm. That's a great question. I think, uh, every day, uh, you should get up and you should, um, live a life of gratitude. You know, mm-hmm. I believe that you should be thankful for your circumstances uh, that that you're living under. And I bet you, the vast majority of young people or anybody who's listening to uh, this podcast, um, they've got a lot more um, than most. You know, a lot more than most. So I think, you know, living a life of gratitude and thankfulness for what you have, as opposed to looking at what you don't have, um, puts you emotionally and mentally in a great place, uh, uh, to, to be, to be successful. Um, I think the second thing that you need to, to do, uh, to be successful is, is you've just got to be willing to put forward effort. Um, and it can't be 
just for the things that you love, you know, um, and you need to effort in, in all that you do. And that, that is, um, in your relationships, probably foremost of all of it is, is just, you got to effort in that, you know, you don't always like you want to, um, put energy towards others. Um, and, and you need to, you bring a, 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 a sense of gratitude to every day and you bring that effort energy. Um, you know, those are, uh, those are two really good starts to, uh, um, being, being a successful person. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I hate to, um, I don't know if, if this is just more in line of more of what I've already said, um, but I, I, I think I think being successful um, has everything to do with just the way you treat others. You know, right. just just being a good person to the people around you. I don't, I don't hate to get too too philosophical for you here uh, on this podcast, or I think um, you know it kind of falls in line with bringing energy, but you know you bring a level of kindness and respect. Um, the people um you're around you uh it just tends to come back it doesn't come back always right away um but over time uh you know that you're you're treating others um the way you would want to be treated you end up being treated quite well yourself and right and it comes back to that mindset and how you feel and 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 that sets the stage for 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 success. Listen, I, uh, like I said, I really appreciate you, uh, taking the time. I got you out of here on time, but we will definitely have to have you back on, um, for a part two, but, but thanks for coming on to begin with coach. I really appreciate it. My, my absolute, uh, uh, pleasure, Joe. I've been a long time fan of yours from, from the time I recruited you back in the day with coach Cross. And, uh, and thanks, uh, you, uh, wish uh, you nothing but success. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yavoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Yavoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast on this season at thisseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a traveler club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Game Changer Team Manager is free, it's easy to use, and it doesn't serve ads. Learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Until next time, keep working and keep getting better.